This podcast is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. To find out more, head to tremula.network or find us on socials. Um, when I was a runner for years, um, I had at least three seizures on three separate occasions while running. When I was playing ultimate Frisbee, I had um, two seizures. And then when I was doing swimming, a seizure came on when I was swimming in the pool. And I was actually able to pull myself out in time, but I did have a seizure swimming. Yeah. Hello everyone, I'm Fran Tarauskas and you're listening to Seize Your Adventure. You just heard a little bit of the conversation I had with Jade Nelson. If you've not listened to Jade's story in episode one, well thank you for joining us for the first time. We do have a great episode lined up for you today, but if you want to go and listen to the first episode first, it will give you a little bit more context to our conversation. If you have listened to Jade's story... Thank you very much for coming back. It means a lot to have you here. And you're going to learn a bit more about Jade's camping trip today, including the untold story of what Jade's dogs got up to. So this conversation between Jade and I was recorded a couple of weeks ago. There's about a six hour time difference between us. And Jade kindly got up before sunrise to speak to me. It was a pretty intense conversation for that time of the morning, but it was so good to learn more about Jade. We talked about some of the activities she's been involved in over the years, including karate, stand-up paddleboarding, and ultimate frisbee. We also talked about some of her bigger adventures, and the small routines she does to keep herself active. We do, of course, talk about Jade's epilepsy and the various medications and treatments that she's used over the years, including the ketogenic diet. Now, I just want to say that this is Jade's personal experience. This isn't medical advice. And please do not take any action yourself based on what we speak about today. You should speak to your healthcare team if you do have any questions that arise from our conversation. I'd also like to preemptively correct my ignorance. At one point during the conversation, I say that stand-up paddleboarding is a new sport. I've since looked into it and it is not new at all. It's been practiced in Hawaii since about the 16th century, so it's actually one of the older sports that you can do. Anyway, enough from present day, Fran. I'm going to hand over to past Fran so that you can listen to our conversation. So you, um, uh, you obviously... Uh, wrote the story piece in West Texas and read it very nicely um, I have to say I've enjoyed listening to your voice over the past few weeks just uh, just editing that one down such a calming voice um, was was that the first time that you've been camping or have you been camping previously oh no I've totally ton, tons of camping growing up as a kid uh, all the all the places I've ever lived in the, in the United States, we've always camped or traveled to. So camping wasn't, that wasn't anything um, foreign or new. I just hadn't camped in Texas yet. Um, and we hadn't really done a little bit of outdoor stuff since moving to Texas, but not anything near like we used to do up in the Pacific Northwest 
or in Maine when we lived there. So uh, it was kind of my goal to get out and camp. And here there's only like very small windows of when it's comfortable to camp because <laughs> it's so hot or extremely cold. So um, it was last year. So it was March and March was the perfect time to kind of camp um, around here. So that was my goal to get out in nature, to disconnect, to be able to disconnect from my phone, email, social media, and kind of reground myself. That was the big kind of hope and goal when I set out to organize that camping trip for my husband and I. So can you remember how long it had been since the last camping trip? Oh, gosh, yeah. It was like, um, it was when we still lived up in the Pacific Northwest. So I'd say five or six years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. If you'd done it a lot, that's a long time. What What did you do in that five or six years to... Did, did you do something to fill that gap for camping? Did you get outside in nature in a different way or? Well, so here, basically I stopped. So most of the outdoor stuff when I moved to Austin um, as much because it was just, it's a different kind of outdoors here than what I was accustomed to. Like I said, um, I liked the green and the ocean and all that stuff. And well, there's not a lot of that around here. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, we would go to Barton Springs swimming, which is, uh, which is an underwater spring that comes up here in Austin. And we'd swim there or we'd hike around the, the Barton Creek loops. We would do that a lot. Um, I would get out on the, the the river and paddleboard so those were different ways that I got out and I joined a couple small hiking groups but I can't really call it hiking here it's more of a stroll because there aren't any mountains or hills you really climb so those are the different ways that I kind of tried to get out here to begin with just because it's it it felt limited so yeah, I can relate to that. Um, living living down south in London, there's not many mountains around, so <laughs> it takes a little bit of effort to get out there sometimes, definitely. Um, but you you mentioned you have dogs. Yes, I have two dogs. They're brothers. They're Lab and, Ger- and Great Pyrenees, so their names are Duke and Blue. Duke. <laughs> You can do that's amazing. And um, I'm assuming that they, they kind of like force you to get outside and be a little bit more active as well. Oh, definitely. We have a um, we have a creek not too far from our house in a park and uh, they really love it there. And there's tons of, there's trails through there, too. So we, we take them out there um, and they like to swim. So labs are like big time swimmers and they're obsessed with it. So. Um, we usually go swimming a lot and take them with us. So I can imagine they were in their element when you were camping then, so they just got to... Yeah, so much in their element, and this wasn't in the story, but they uh, they ran off after a deer um, um, and disappeared into the bushes for a while and came back with bloody paws because in Texas there's lots of, you know, prickly weird things and their paws were embedded with them and um yeah so (laughs) they had fun (laughs) oh bless them um, that certainly reminds me of some of our our uh, family family dog stories it's always a deer Mm -hmm. yeah Um, (laughs) 
Do you find it, or did you find it difficult to do a keto meal and plan the keto meal whilst you were camping? Um, no, I didn't. It was actually the funny thing is, is I ended up pack, I ended up packing too much food. I didn't need as much. Um, no, it's pretty pretty simple. I mean, we did our coffee every morning and and uh, with heavy cream and butter, and then I usually only cooked us one meal a day. So it was a, always a pretty big one, but we did hot dogs one night wrapped in lettuce. So it wasn't too bad. I just kind of had to, um, you know, plan out the meals a little bit more. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, when I think back, back in the day when I'd camp, we just sit around and snack all day. Right. Yeah. But I can't, I can't quite on a ketogenic diet snack constantly. I have to be a little more precise. So I just planned out my meals like I would at home but um, made them a little more simpler since um, you're basically kind of cooking on a tiny little stove. So, so yeah, it wasn't too awful bad. It was doable. Yeah, beautiful. So I started learning about the ketogenic diet when I started talking to you, essentially. It was something that I didn't know about at all. Um, how would you describe it to someone that, that doesn't have any idea of the keto I would describe it as a low carb, high fat, moderate protein diet that can be used for um, many different health issues or concerns. Uh, currently in the mainstream, it's seen a lot for weight loss, but in the 1920s, it was first being used to help control intractable epilepsy. So people um, have uncontrollable seizures. So that is the best way I would describe it um, to people. Yeah. And you fell into that category. You you had uncontrolled seizures, didn't you? It depends on if you ask your doctor what's considered controlled or quality of life. And to me, the quality of my life wasn't what I wanted it to be because it wasn't so much that I was having constant seizures every day. It was that the medications I was put on were making me so sick that I couldn't barely get through the day. It was more about the medication side effects that were so detrimental to me. So what kind of medications were you on and are you still taking them at the moment? Okay, so at that time when I made the decision to try the ketogenic diet, I was on Zonagran, I was on Garbitrol, and I was on Vimpat. So I was on three medications. And I ended up going off the Zonagran because that was the one that was making me so sick. Um, and it caused me to lose a lot of weight um, and I was sick to my stomach all the time on it, and I had no appetite whatsoever. So I went off that one first, and then I have been, for this past year, slowly titrating, which means lowering meds, coming off Vimpat. So I just lowered a dose, the dose at the beginning of this month again. So we'll do it again in three months. And how long have you been taking medication? When did your seizures start? I had my first seizure uh, a month shy of my eighth birthday, and I was diagnosed after I turned eight, and I've been on medication for 31 years. 31 years. So it's going to be nice when you get to that stage of uh, realizing what your body is like without the medication, I'm assuming. That's the goal. I, I want badly to know what I would be like without the medication. I sometimes, people don't really realize that the medications we take can really 
alter who we are. For some, it can. And for me, I went on it at such a young age. I wonder if it's affected me in ways that um, my personality could be different, you know? Um, Because a lot of um, anti-seizure medications are also used um, uh, to help with different mental health issues as well. So they, they do the same. They do different things depending on the diagnosis. So I always, I always wonder. So um, it, it'll be exciting. I'm excited every time I lower the meds because I feel like my brain wakes up in a different way. Yeah, it's a really good point. I um, remember, uh, not so much now, but when I first went onto my medication, when I was first diagnosed, every time I went to the doctor with even a small thing, um, like you say, feeling nauseous or feeling um, tired and that kind of thing, I would ask the doctors, is it the epilepsy? Is it the medication? And all they would say to me would be, well, it could be. It's affecting your brain. So, <laughs> and your brain makes everything else. Sorry, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tends to be the main answer for quite a lot of things, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It really does. And yeah. Sad at times, but that's why I think sometimes as patients, we have to do our own homework. Yes, Absolutely. Um, and obviously something different will work for for everyone it's not going to be a one size fits all but like you say the more you know the more you learn the more likely to find a solution there definitely so obviously I got in touch with you um, I'm, I'm trying to remember when I got in touch with you about a year ago and um, your, your profile just um, spoke to me a bit even though I um, don't do the the ketogenic diet. It's not something that I would consider. Um, partly because I, I have controlled epilepsy at the moment. My medication works, and I'm thankfully on quite a low dose, so I I don't have the difficulties that that you had with the medication. Um, but also, I really like carbs. I, I have a I have a big connection with Europe, and Europe has a lot of carbs in it. We have a lot of pasta and rice and that kind of thing. Um, so for, uh, for, for yourself very quickly, is, um, is that something that you do miss or do you enjoy the fact that you, you get to eat things that are sometimes classed as unhealthy in other diets? Yeah, it depends on who you ask, whether it's classed as unhealthy. Um, if you're looking at, um, um, you know, the food guidelines here in America, but, um, no, I don't miss it because, the quality of my life has vastly changed. Um, the clarity in my mind has changed. So I don't miss the candy I used to like to eat and the excessive baked goods. I mean, I, I was definitely a sugar, sugarholic. And, um, <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't miss it at all because I've become a great cook and I've, I can make tons of things that don't make me feel like I'm missing out on anything. Um, so to say I miss a specific type of thing, I just don't. It actually has simplified my life even more, which for some people that's hard to believe because it's, you know, it can t- take a lot to take on a altering your diet in this fashion, mm. but it has simplified it because it cuts out pretty much everything that's marketed to people to eat packaged stuff. So I can't eat it. So it's that simple. So, and it saves money. (laughs) So...
Hello there! My name is Cathy Kamleitner and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, Wild for Scotland. If you enjoy travelling, spending time outside, learning about nature or simply relaxing to a good story, check out Wild for Scotland and join me for inspiring journeys from the cobbled streets of Edinburgh to the sandy beaches of the Western Isles. We go on scenic road trips up and down the country, hop from island to island, immerse ourselves in Scottish history, culture and landscapes, and meet passionate locals who love sharing their own little corners of Scotland. Think of it like story time for adults that inspires you to head out and learn about the world around you. So join me on the Wild for Scotland podcast. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. So how did you get into paddle boarding? Because that's obviously a fairly, well, in, in the UK, it's a fairly new thing. I don't know if it's still a fairly new thing over your end as well. I basically got into it because we have this thing called Meetup here. I don't know if you guys have it there, but you can go online and see where all there's all kinds of events and things going on. And this one company here in Austin, when I first moved here, I was living here by myself. My husband was still up in the Pacific Northwest, so I wanted to get out and socialize. And one of the events they did every Thursday night was free paddleboarding. So I would go out after work on the river and paddleboard for an hour for free, and I got hooked. I just, just loved it. So I then started um, finding other groups and activities and uh, we would plan times to go out together. And then once we got the dogs, they come out with us on the board as well. So that's kind of how I started getting into it. And then I, I kind of upped my game and started doing uh, yoga on a stand-up paddleboard too. So, yeah. So hang on, you got, you got the dogs on the paddleboard yeah, yeah. They both, they sit, uh, one sits on Eric's paddleboard and one sits on mine and um, they're at the head of the, the board and we just paddle around. It gives you an extra, they're both about 75 pounds a piece, so it's a little extra workout. It's <laughs> yeah. amazing. I need to see some pictures of that one. That's... <laughs> I, I, I do, I have pictures of it. I do. <laughs> yeah, I'll be searching, searching for that one. That's amazing. Uh, and um, so you did, you started doing it via meetup. When you joined up with that group initially, did you tell them that you have epilepsy? Did you give them information? Nope. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't tell them anything. I just, um, that's not the first thing I lead with. Um, not even back before the ketogenic diet, before my seizures were controlled, I I've never led with, I have epilepsy. Um, I just, just didn't. I will say though, that when my seizures were bad, when we were paddle boarding, my husband would try to just paddle right next to me, but no, I never would go to the group and announce that. I never wanted that to be who I was. It wasn't going to be the thing that, Oh, that's Jade. That's the girl with epilepsy. Even though that kind of happened. I just never wanted it because I didn't, I wasn't in a, I wasn't in a good place of acceptance with it yet. That I felt like I could say it in a way that, and not feel like someone was automatically judging me. And, um, 
Can you just explain a little bit the the type of seizures you have and what that would entail? Yeah, um, I have what's called temporal lobe epilepsy. So I have a scar on the left temporal lobe of my brain. So the seizures usually originate from there, but may uh, go into the other lobes of the brain. And I have what are called uh, complex partial and simple partial seizures. They've definitely um, changed over the years. Like if you were to probably ask a doctor right now, they might not even be able to tell you exactly what kind of seizures I have just because sometimes they, they change and evolve as we grow and our brain changes and stuff like that. That is what I've been, uh, was officially diagnosed with. So. so tell us a little bit about your karate. The karate I started a year ago just because I think my feeling is, is as our bodies age, we can't always do exactly the same things we did when we were 20. And I like the karate because it's both a physical thing and a mental thing. And it, it, it really brings you back into your body and grounds you to be uh, spatially aware of the things around you. And one of the big reasons was it was something I had never done before and it was going to force me to stretch and be uncomfortable in the sense of doing something I've never done before and not feeling confident doing it. So I started going to class and I cried a lot and I struggled with it because half of it's more than half of it is also taught in Spanish and I am not fluent in Spanish. Yes. So, <laughs> so it's been an interesting thing. And then it just kind of has grown on me and I couldn't imagine my week without karate. Now. Yeah, that's so good. So now, now you're kind of feeling it's, it's more in your comfort zone. You're more relaxed with it now. Oh, definitely. Very, very um, much more relaxed than I was yeah. before. So. No, that's fab. That's, um, I'm still at the stage of, um, uh, I've just started climbing. Oh, I say just, just started, just started climbing about this time last year, but I haven't done it as regularly as I'd like to do. So I'm still at that stage of going along and every time looking at that wall and going, I can't do that. That's something that's too hard for me. <laughs> but <laughs> like you say, it's the, trying to find something which is, um, a, a good mix of physical and mental. I think it's really, really useful for us to kind of like get get your head into something other than itself sometimes. Right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And did you ever have a seizure when you were doing any any of the sports? So paddleboarding. Um, obviously, karate is fairly new. Um, but any of the sports that you enjoyed in the past? Yes. Um, when I was a runner for years, um, I had at least three seizures on three separate occasions while running. I lived in California at the time, so it was really hot and heat was a trigger. I had, when I was playing ultimate Frisbee, um, the years I played that, I had um, two seizures during ultimate on two separate occasions. And then when I was doing swimming, competitive swimming, I had a seizure. A seizure came on when I was swimming in the pool and I was actually able to pull myself out in time, but I did have a seizure swimming. Yeah. 
Wow. I never even, no one's ever really asked me that, that one. And then now like laying that all out for you. I'm like, God, that sounds like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I jumped that one on you as well. It just, uh... no, it's totally fine. (laughs) These are the questions people need to hear because you know what? I got right back in the pool and swam within a week and I went right back to running track and I went right back to ultimate as soon as I could. It doesn't mean that I wasn't scared because I I was all the time, especially after that. But I think when you love something and you enjoy it, you know, allowing your diagnosis to stop you from doing it is, uh, it does more of a detriment to your mental health than anything. So, you know, I think sports for me has always been a, a huge outlet. It's the thing that brings me back to a body that, has so often betrayed me so I hear you with that one it's uh one of the ones that definitely I keep coming back to that idea of working with your body when you're doing a sport as opposed to feeling like it's against you (laughs) it's uh, a nice feeling what does adventure mean to you well um (laughs) <laughs> the funny thing is, is I thought about this question a lot last night as I was falling asleep. And what I kept coming back to is adventure literally to me is a state of mind. It isn't um, any just one thing or activity, but you can find adventure in all, all parts of your life. It's just kind of how it makes you feel. Um, but when I think, uh, when I'm, thinking about adventure, it's usually planning, exciting, um, challenging, completely off the wall things that everybody goes, oh, I don't think you should do that. (laughs) (laughs) I think, um, I think for people with epilepsy, quite a lot falls into that category, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, yes. And that's, and and, and then that's where my response comes, well, just watch me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The best, best mentality. It really is. Um, So what, what's the biggest of those adventures? What's the biggest thing that has either pushed you out of your comfort zone or the biggest thing where maybe somebody has said to you, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. And then they had to watch. Well, I laid in bed for an hour with this one as well, Fran. Because <laughs> I'm like, you have seriously made me think about because when I didn't, I don't think my life is adventurous. I never really mm-hmm. thought about it. But then when you start asking me questions like you do in emails or whatever, <laughs> I'm like, oh God, yeah, apparently I have done some really crazy things. I didn't realize that. Um, But if I were to say my favorite, the one, okay, there's like three, okay? Well, one, okay, let's, this one I would categorize as the most beautiful experience. And this is when I flew up to Alaska and I uh, spent a week there on the Kenai Peninsula hiking and climbing glaciers and all of that awesome stuff and eating tons of wild game that half of it I didn't even know what it was. So I was literally kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It was the kind of place where 
when you stepped out your front yard, there was a moose there and stuff like that. So that was one of the most beautiful um, trips I ever went on because Alaska is completely untouched. Out of all the places I have hiked, camped, traveled all over the U.S., Alaska is the one that's the most untouched. So to me, that was the most uh, beautiful one. But if I were to do one where someone said, oh, we don't know if you should do that. I once flew to St. Louis to stay with my friend, and then I proceeded to get on a bus and drive all through the South on a, a Greyhound bus all by myself. And my family wasn't excited about that because I was by myself and I was young then. Um, but that was a fun trip and full of um, very interesting people. <laughs> so, and then the last trip, one big trip. So any trip where I get to go solo tends to be my favorite. It's where I feel the biggest growth comes from. And when I finished my, my, uh, my bachelor's in community health, uh, my husband said, you should go on a trip. So I planned a month-long trip that had me leave, being Portland, Oregon, and I flew into, uh, was it the D.C., or no, Philadelphia. And then I took a train and worked my way down to uh, Gettysburg, and I went and saw the reenactment of uh, the Gettysburg Battle, the 150th reenactment. Yeah. And that was like stepping back in time. That was pretty amazing. So I drove around a lot. And then after that, I worked my way up to Maine and I went to Boston and I basically did a very historic thing. Went to Boston after Gettysburg and then DC for days, a few days. So doing a kind of historical thing. I love history. So That just sounds fabulous, all of that. Is there anything that you do every day is that you, you talked about the small things as well. Is there anything you do every day that's just a small thing that you yeah you do as a ritual? Yes. Every single morning, Monday through Friday, I get up and I have either a 15 to 20 minute type of workout, <clears throat> whether it's abs or arms and abs or arms and legs. And then I do yoga every single morning I get up, whether it's for 10 minutes or an hour, but every morning starts on my mat in my office in the dark. <laughs> and that is kind of the, and that's what allows me to feel grounded and to start my day because the type of work I do, whether it's advocacy or taking care of my massage clients, I'm giving. So I have to start every day by giving to myself and making time for myself. Was that something that was difficult to get into every day? Did you find it hard first? No, I've, well, I've been practicing yoga for 20 years. Um, I started back when yoga wasn't cool in the States. <laughs> it was kind of a hippy dippy thing. Um, there weren't yoga studios or really any yoga teachers. The only yoga teachers around um, were ones that actually had gone to India and come back. My teacher was well into her 70s, and um, it, it's nowadays it's become a little easier because, you know, you've got all the YouTube videos, but I just, 
I feel off when I don't. It was easy to get into it. I'm the type of person that writes out like a whole schedule to everything. Everything has a schedule. So it wasn't too hard. But this consistency now, when I don't do it, I'm off. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm the opposite. I'm I'm not consistent in anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie, Fran, because you've been pretty dang consistent with the, the magazine and all of this. <laughs> I think you just got to have the right thing, right? <laughs> so if somebody has recently been diagnosed with epilepsy um, or they, they um, you know, they're in a difficult stage with it at the moment, what would you say to them? I would tell them to hold on to who they were before the diagnosis, because that is exactly who you still are. You know, that, that diagnosis doesn't change, have to change who you are. You can still be, maybe you are that active person and always have been. You just might have to think a little bit more in what you do, but don't allow it, any diagnosis to limit you. Um, I felt for me, the, the most or in feel the most important thing is to educate yourself, you know, to seek out other people that might be living with the diagnosis, but are living well with it, you know, and doing everyday things. And just remember, it's just, it is literally, and I know people get, can get upset when I say this, but it is just a diagnosis. I know it's a diagnosis that can alter your life, but you can decide how much it will alter at times. I mean, yes, when we have a seizure, it's like this massive setback and it's, it feels like taking 50 steps backwards, but it's only one snapshot in time and that you have your whole entire life and you can't base it on that moment of that diagnosis or base it on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do no matter how big or small or little it seems, because before you know it, you'll be doing so many more things. And this diagnosis you have will just be this small part of you and not all of who you are. So there you go. What did you think? I hope that you might be inspired by the conversation and perhaps want to even try some of the activities we talked about or maybe go on your own adventure. If so, I do encourage you to talk to your epilepsy team, so that's doctors, but also family and friends, and speak to some people who are familiar with the sport as well and see if it's suitable for you. If you'd like to know more about the ketogenic diet, there are some articles on the Seizure Adventure website. The links to those are in the show notes. And you can, of course, head to Jade's website as well. It's jadenelson.net. You'll find out more about the work that she does as a motivational speaker and an epilepsy advocate. And she also has recipes on there. Next month, we'll be hearing from Joe Stevenson. Joe is a writer and a hiker, and his epilepsy has been severe at times. But despite this, in 2015... Joe decided to make some money for the charity Epilepsy Action by hiking Ben Nevis. Here he is just telling us a little bit of the story. And so we began. The walk was no race. 
but I can be a bit of a perfectionist. On average, it takes six to seven hours to get up and down Ben Nevis, and I wanted to walk it within that time frame. We followed the main mountain track. Once known as the tourist path, it was only natural to find myself looking up and out frequently, soaking up the sights, taking a few photos. At that time of the year, the mountain was still a little green, but there was starting to be a mix of shades with the brown and the grey rock. I felt nice and fresh being out there in the country. That episode will be out on the 7th of January, so hit subscribe now and you won't miss it. If you liked today's episode, can I ask that you just share it with one person you think might like it? And feel free to send me a message with any feedback you have. It really is lovely to see what you think. Before I say goodbye, I asked Jade if there was anything she wanted the listeners to know. So I'll let her close this episode for you. This is a thing I still see a lot of. And I've been diagnosed for 31 years. And I would think at this point that it would be gone. But all the stigma, the myths, and the miseducation around epilepsy. And I think, I don't think, I wish people would share more about it, but share with it about it in a, in a positive light. And I think if more people were sharing about their diagnosis um, and treating it like, you know, yeah, I have diabetes or I have whatever in a way that's more casual it would lessen um, the fear around it, fear for both the individuals with it and the people around. Um, it takes time though. It's not something that this happened overnight for me too. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I try to remember when I'm sharing my story now is there weren't always times like this. So if I were to say one last thing, it would be if right now you're listening and you have epilepsy and you feel like life is just awful I can promise you it can get better you just have to keep trying different things educating yourself and getting out into life and and enjoying all the small moments because life's too short and you should never let one thing that happened in your life alter the rest of it I know I, I'm way intense aren't I <laughs>